The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to the Habs and Minded once more. This is Patrick Bexel speaking. We're joining uh, in from Sweden with Anton Vassegård. Uh, thank you for joining me in the early hours after the game against Philadelphia that Montreal lost 1-0. Thank you. Uh, yourself. I mean, I, I've heard that uh, you, you must be tired today at work since you were up uh, up watching the game all night, so... Yeah, I hope my headmaster doesn't hear this, but yeah, I was up um, and it was on and off because I dozed to sleep because at some points the game was actually that boring. Uh, of, of, of sort of the bouncing puck that went in after um, on prize after about five minutes and then um, Vignon turned Philadelphia into, uh, what should I say, an, a year Gordon in the 90s after Leif Bork had coached them when he came up with the trap, more or less, the 1-3-1 yeah. system. And uh, it was something that Montreal did, couldn't really break through. And uh, the result came uh, thereafter. It was a little bit like you, our uh, resident Italian in some ways, Anton. <laughs> you, you've grown up with 1-0 games in football, right? Yeah, there is nothing better than to win 1-0 games. There is nothing more heartbreaking than losing 1-0 games. And it's even worse in hockey because actually getting shut out in this peculiar way with the team actually playing to just hold down the one nothing lead, uh, especially a team that's the first seed in the East, is kind of just annoying to see. Uh, but it's the way Alain Vigneault plays his hockey, and he's done it all the way since since his Ranger days. And, uh, I mean, it works. And in the end, no one remembers how you won, just that you won. So there's nothing to be annoyed about today. Well, I, there are some things that we're always annoyed about, and, and one of them is obviously the, the fantastic power play that Montreal possesses. Yeah, I mean, the power play is just... Uh, well, what we can see now is that... It, it's not down to coaching decisions by Claude Julien, um, since he's uh, not uh, since he's not coaching the team at the moment. Uh, we see that it's just as ineffective with Kirk Muller behind the uh, well, be, be in the in the booth. Um, but yeah. it was Kurt Muller that that coached the the uh, power play earlier. So obviously, when he steps up, it's sort of the same kind of drive, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think what was it one for zero for for four or zero for five last night. It it just becomes repetitive and and uh, even if Montreal scored two out of five last time in in the first game they didn't score either right or, or was it just after the the power play there um, and it's I feel that since I started follow Montreal really really close uh, in the in, in after the 2010 run. Um, or during the 2010 run, um, I feel like there's always been a problem with the power play. I know this is wrong, but that's how it feels. I, it, I, I usually just type in power kill and go to the uh, kitchen and get another beer when I watch the Montreal games. And, uh, and it, obviously it's non-alcoholic beer because we can't um, say that you should drink an alcoholic beverage on the pod. But obviously uh, 
there, there are things to do when Montreal has a power play because it feels to me that it's always been that inefficient. Obviously, we had the first year with Weber where he uh, just mashed in the puck whenever he wanted, it looked like, and, and it seems like they're still building on that. It, there's no new thoughts. There is no, um, no thinking. There's no new path lanes that they're trying to create. It's just the same repetitive moment. And, and obviously, teams learn how to, to protect against that because we don't have Nick Beckstrom and uh, uh, Ovechkin on the other side. And we saw what happens when Nick Beckstrom is out because Washington lost as well. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that kind of the problem? I mean, Montreal has a team that can compete with all the teams in, in the NHL. We can see that on a good day, Montreal can beat the first seed in the East by five to nothing. But there are no true stars yet. We are waiting for them to break through. Um, and when you don't have that kind of star power, the power play has a tendency to go lackluster. And that is probably what, what the problem has been for the last 10 years, uh, that there has there haven't been these kind of power play drivers that first line center who can just um, who can just create scoring chances out of nothing and now naturally when you have someone like Shea Weber who possesses the hardest shot in the league naturally you want him to get um, a good shooting lane from the point or, or from from a good position but that becomes very easy to read for the opponents so what you need really is a second uh, kind of scoring, scoring, creating uh, just threats so that you so that the opponents don't know what to expect. And Montreal doesn't have that yet, and nothing has changed from the end of the uh, regular season until now. Uh, what we can see into the future, I mean, is another thing. We see the youngsters hopefully coming up. We see someone like Cole Caulfield who pro- hopefully will break into the team in a few seasons and maybe can be that guy but that is just hope for now and and the power play will continue to be lackluster for for the remainder of these playoffs what we can be happy about though is that philadelphia's power play looked just as lackluster last night that's that's a point but if we go back to montreal's power play we look at it and and one of the first things you have to realize uh, have to have to look at is that there seems to be some kind of problem Getting into the zone with the puck under control, it's a lot of dump and chase. Even I mean, I mean, in 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 Montreal's normal play, there is a lot of dump and chase. But even on the power play, it almost seems like that's uh, on an ongoing trend. It's uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but but it feels that way. You 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 dump and chase it. You 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 cross it over the eye. So Brendan Gallagher should try to keep it control or, or contained in a mm. corner to get a numerical advantage in that area and can control the puck and set up the power play. Whereas mm. It's it's you need that first line center and and there are two of them that are making huge strides this, in this playoffs, Kotkaniemi and and Suzuki, but but obviously they're not there yet and and you need someone to that in in some ways is economic David or or, or uh, bad example Sidney Crosby maybe after after last season last last yeah. round of, or, or Malkin even, but just takes the puck and and carries it in and sets up the power play and it's as easy as that and you start going within five seconds uh and and that is the problem there's like 15 seconds lost just battling along the boards and then more often than not it feels like the opponent gets the puck out of the zone and 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 you sort of lost the opportunity in a way there were some uh i think there was one power play that was really good last night but the other there, there weren't really 
Yeah, but as you say as well, uh, all of those teams that you kind of uh, talked about, I mean, Washington Capitals, uh, the Penguins, and, and the Oilers, they all have that one-two punch as well. Dreisaitl, McDavid, Ovechkin, Backstrom, uh, Crosby, Malkin. So if And we saw as well with, with the Penguins in the, in the play-in round uh, that if you don't have both of them going at the same time, it's kind of easy to read also the best players in the world on the power play. Um, so, as you say, Montreal is not a puck possession, puck controlling kind of team. They go through speed, and that is what normally gets the game rolling for them. Just dump and chase, dump and chase, and just wear the op- uh, opponents down. But during the power play, you have to possess a different kind of game, and Montreal doesn't have that in them at the moment. Would it be smart to play Suzuki and Kotkanemi at the same line in this case? Uh, on the power play, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, we. I mean, at this point, it's just like trying to find a few answers. And since Kotkaniemi and Suzuki have both impressed during the playoffs and and have a good, um, yeah, ha- have a good streak going here, why not try them? Uh, I mean, they are not, they are not maybe the the strikers per se, but I mean, they can create scoring chances and just put them together with Gallagher on a power play and just see what happens. Yeah, and even, even you know, sooner or later we're going to end up in this round where, where you need to win. And, and it's, if you don't win, you go out. And, and it's worth tossing out ideas now and get, get ready for next season. You're only in the playoffs to win. Uh, there's no medals for, for, for even finishing second. So, you know, it's it's time to just to, to step up and power play. It seems like special teams... Uh, there, there is an opportunity, as you say. Philadelphia has a really crappy special power play as well, and it, mm. it means that the ones that can control the power play and, and gets that working faster is going to win the series because it's really down to a game of inches at this time. It's trench warfare, and uh, unless Montreal can come out rocking like they did in in, in game two, uh, the other two games has been more like a trench warfare where where you go. A little bit forward, a little bit backwards, a little bit forward, a little bit backwards, and on top of that, two really good goalkeepers, where two teams that play similar in defense, where you try to block shots and and screen opponents away, and and create an opportunity for you for a very good goalkeeper to save that puck. Yeah, exactly. And as you said, it is a game of inches. I think Montreal had five shots in the post last night. So really, we could be sitting here just as well going like, oh, this is great. Montreal has a 2-1 two, two, lead against Philadelphia. I mean, it's really, and especially the way that Philadelphia scored their goal as well. I mean, an unlucky bounce just going in and, and then, you know, it's it's so difficult to sit here. We could be sitting here and complaining about the power play, but still be in a 3 nothing lead. Uh, it would be absolutely possible after these these three games because it's been so that even during two of the games. Looking at the game, um, especially this game and, and what I remember from it, because it was a little bit of a haze, um, but but it, it seemed that one person that created a lot of opportunities for the other team, um, and unfortunately the other team in this case, uh, is Max Domi. And, and he took some really stupid penalties um, Kotkaniemi was unlucky with, with his 2 plus 2 because uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a blood drop and then automatically two more minutes. Uh, but Max Domi, he took some really stupid penalties, I think, especially in the third period where, where Montreal needed to push and sort of 
gave two minutes away for, for Philadelphia to do nothing and just control the puck. Yeah, exactly. And that is the way that Max Domi plays his hockey. I mean, it's it's the intensity goes both ways. Sometimes it's good for the team, but in these times it's just a drive kill, basically. And when you're one nothing down and Domi takes these uh, insane penalties, I mean, there there is nothing defending it. But I don't think he knows how to play his hockey in any other way, unfortunately. It's just the way you have to accept accept him or, or just don't resign him. Yeah, are you coming to that? Don't resign him? Do you see him resigning with Montreal after this? After these not playoffs? That, no, not after what we've seen during these playoffs. I, I believe that Domi still has a good uh, position for uh, for um, negotiating w- with, with a team uh, since he uh, is just one year removed of a 70-point season. But the way that these youngsters and Philippe Dano uh, have played during the stretch of the season, uh, even if Dano hasn't been that successful now during the playoffs, there is really no situation where I can see Max Domi being a top six, uh, top six guy in Montreal. And you don't want a guy on your bottom six who, as I said, takes that many stupid penalties. Um, or ask for I, that I, kind of money. Exactly, exactly. He will probably ask for six, seven million a year, and that is not worth it in this case. Now, that's Nylander money if you take a look at, at uh, Toronto, and they're struggling with the cap as well, and it's a little bit of a cap management, even if Montreal has 10 million more in, in cap space. Uh, there, there will be um, contracts coming around that needs to be negotiated and, and needs to be kept under wraps and keep, keep in control of that cap space. and. Also, it actually gives um, Mark Bergevin a chance to maybe offer sheet someone this this off season again. Uh, we don't know mm. what will happen, but or or just go after one of the free agents that that might come out. Uh, it is an opportunity, but after these playoffs, with especially with the game that we saw um, two nights ago against uh, Philly when they won five nil. I think you know when Montreal plays that kind of hockey, and and you imagine playing that kind of hockey in front of a uh, Raptors uh, Bell Center. Um, th- there will be free agents that want to sign with Montreal, um, and so so there is that. And to speaking about free agents signing with Montreal, obviously uh, there is a certain Russian that is on the verge of of, of leaving uh, Washington. Yeah, and he, <laughs> yeah, he can he can become a free agent. What is it tomorrow when uh, if the Islanders sweep the Capitals? So uh, obviously we're talking about Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah, and yeah. The, the question is, uh, we've all see, we, we we've seen that Romanov is is with the team in Mont- in Toronto, and he's uh, training and practicing and gelling with the team. Do you think it's it's important to get Kovalchuk back there for for Romanov because that's part of the discussion we had earlier this year? Yeah, like obviously it's obviously it's always good to have that kind of a role model because Ilya Kovalchuk is a super professional and uh, and he's been in the game for so long and he was so appreciated both in the locker room and and just by by the fans and by the city of Montreal when he during those few months he was here. So if Ilya Kovalchuk doesn't require too much money to sign because obviously that is a cap question as well, uh, I think he will be a third line player ish and someone who can assist on the power play um so absolutely i think that kovalchuk enjoyed his time in montreal and uh, 
since he doesn't get a cup this year, he might as well do some role modeling for for some for a young team that really needs that, that kind of a forward who's who's experienced and has been uh, through a lot. So I think it would be just a great match uh, having Ilya Kovalchuk back in the locker room. And obviously with with Romanov and Russia, and we know that how how expats tend to merge together a little bit, it gives Romanov a, a little bit of a family feel as well. So it could be beneficial in that regard. Um, the, the the emergence really in these playoffs has been Nick Suzuki and and uh, Kotkaniemi. Um, it's it's unprecedented in in some ways that two. Um, centers are, are bringing are coming along in the playoffs like this in Montreal and uh, we've already seen Philip Dano being uh, demoted to the third line a, a really strong third line I think with Byron yeah. and Lekkonen uh, but how how can we will Tatar be the guy to really bring them forward um, and we have Drouin on, on the second line as well that there are certain constellations that you know Mark Bergevin will have to work with and, and trying to open up this. And it's become obvious, I think, in regards to these playoffs again, playoff games against uh, Philadelphia, where they miss that controlled zone entry, really. It, it, it all comes down to that. You, you, it's, I, I know Montreal wants to play the rush game and, and create the opportunities that way. And when they play with speed, it's perfect. But you need to have a plan B as well. And, and setting up a, a circle, setting up a, a, a strong game in the opponent's zone and, and force them to wear them down, not by tackling and forechecking, but wearing them down, chasing the puck. I think that is, you know, a plan B that I would love to see Montreal possess. Yeah. How do you envision Montreal getting there then? Yeah, it's, this is the problem, really. We, we need to see, uh, obviously, Cole Caulfield will... will he, he brings a lot to the ice, but I also think that he is part of that rushing game maybe more. Uh, but you, you might have to go out actively shopping for someone in the top six. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I believe that as well. I think Montreal, as it is right now, Montreal is one of the few teams who have four quite strong lines that you can just iterate through. Uh, but there's not that real first line uh first or second line where you just can if you want to drive the game you can just put them on we know that philip dano thomas tatar and brendan gallagher together have a very strong position against other teams first lines but it has kind of been the way that you've like the narrative has always been around philip dano that he is on a really good team he is your third line center because he wins he, he, he's so good in both directions, but he's not, not really a point producer or that game. He doesn't have that game winning factor about him. Uh, he's a really solid middle six center. And if you can get Suzuki or Kotkaniemi to just break through and take that first line role, uh, it would just be great if they could have someone on the wing as well who could just provide uh, provide some a, a, a bit of point producing as well uh, and just getting those easy goals because Montreal has a trouble most nights getting those easy goals yeah it all hinges back on 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 the uh, price saving them and, and usually he's good stick handling to to create a, a turnover more or less and, and start a counter-attack 
Um, what can a team do to really break through the trap? Because we have to envision that Montreal might end up going 1-0 down and, and Philadelphia playing the same kind of hockey again. Yeah, it's kind of difficult to say as well because, like, obviously, as I said before, Montreal were, like, they broke through the trap pretty efficiently, at least. I mean, having five shots in the uh, in the post actually says that you've beaten the goalie five times. It's just that it ended up on the wrong side of, of, of the net, basically. Uh, but, but I don't think that Philly has that kind of super defense. I just think they were kind of lucky last night. Uh, not saying that Montreal played very well or anything, but it was a game of inches, and that is just something that Montreal knows with an Alain coach team as well, that if you go down, you have to go down swinging and just continue to produce chances and high-octane chances in front of the net. And I, I wish that Brendan Gallagher could do more in the in this playoffs because I don't think we've seen enough of him. Uh, he is that kind of in front of the net presence that Montreal would need at this time in the playoffs. And I really hope that he can come through during the next few games. It's um, it's an interesting thing. It's, does everything hinge on Gallagher or, or, or do you see anyone else breaking through and, and coming up much in the same way as Suzuki and Gotkanemi has? Someone that takes charge and, and just you know we saw it a little bit with Tatar in the in the final yeah. game we come back to the final game uh, but we don't with the without the emergence of the two centers there really hasn't been much that has been improved a little bit or of uh, in Brett, Montreal Brett, Brett Kulak, Kulak is is, yeah. is probably yeah. but offensively he hasn't really no. shown as well and we need that offensively but I agree. Defensively, Brett Kulak has has really taken a step forward. He has benefited from these three months off and yeah. had, has turned into a new player. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but as you say, uh, Thomas Tatar was the best point producer during the regular season. It was great to see him score two goals uh, during the last game. Uh, let's hope that he continues on that path because we didn't really see it last night. Um, I kind of like I, I love Jonathan Druin. I, I'm always rooting for Jonathan Druin, but I'm kind of on the verge of giving up about him. Like I, I want to believe so bad that he will break through and become a top class winger in this league. But at this point, it's just he's so inconsistent that you don't really know if you're going to have like one out of five nights. You might have a guy who is. Uh, a first-line winger, and then the next four nights you will have a guy who's not barely visible. And I don't know if it's mental or what it is, but it's just... I, I'm just thinking about like whether he will be a trade bait uh, after the season, because I, I'm not really envisioning him uh, breaking through in these playoffs either, even if I'm still rooting for him as a player and a person. The bombshell, Jonathan Drouin, the, the, could be a uh, trade, tar, uh, trade bait for, for, for different teams. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, first and foremost, no. I think the Quebec presence is, is very much needed. I'm uh, along with you that I root for him, but yeah. I've, I've also given up on him. But the question is, is there anyone else that wants to take a chance on him? I'm I think that there 
I think that there will be teams just because he's still just 24, 25 years old. And you can always use this uh, kind of that he hasn't had. He's had a lot of injury issues and he hasn't really played his uh, a perfect role for him. And maybe he's he, he is a player who would really benefit from a more puck controlling kind of team and not playing just dump and chase. And there we have it. Uh, we're looking forward to, to tomorrow's game. It's going to be an early game. It's a 3 uh, p.m. game in, in, uh, on Eastern U- Coast USA. Here it's going to be a 9 o'clock um, yeah. evening game for once. And, and uh, that will make you and me watch it with much more interest and obviously uh, much more awake than I was last night. Um, we hope you enjoy this show. Um, don't forget to root for Montreal tomorrow early on, as I said. Um, hopefully it won't be that uh, heartbreaking. Uh, a uh, five-overtime period loss. But, uh, and and uh, we really need to, 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 to hope that Montreal can bring this to 2-2 and then it's the best out of three. And with no crowd and, and in a different arena, uh, there will be... An opportunity to 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 break the Philadelphia Flyers. Is there anyone else, any match series that that is you're looking towards and with interest, or that you think has been very different from what you envisioned before the series started? I didn't expect the Islanders to just go out and squash uh, the Capitals like this, but it's interesting to see. This is really Barry Trotz's revenge against uh, the Capitals. And just a way to show that his style of play works in every weather, apparently. Um, otherwise, it's just I, I, being a fan of a Canadian team and someone who has lived in Canada as well. I'm always rooting kind of for a Canadian team to win the cup again. And if it's not Montreal, which, of course, I hope, then I am rooting for Vancouver and Calgary to to go through. And uh, I was sad last night that the Canucks couldn't go three up against uh, the Blues. Actually, you mean this morning because it was still on 8 a.m. here. I think. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and, and obviously for us in Sweden, we, we uh, Jacob Markstrom has obviously been very, very good in, in, in uh, Vancouver, but for, for anyone in Sweden, and the one we're always going to talk about in Vancouver is going to be uh, Elias Patterson, and he, he's having Louis. some. Uh, he's, Louis Eriksson. Yeah, you know he looks like Håkan Hellström uh, as well. So yeah, <laughs> we can talk about that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, but Elias Patterson, he struggled a little bit, and it seems like the bigger teams has done to him a little bit what they trying to do with the Sedins and, and push him out. But uh, it also looks like he can push back quite hard. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to today's game and especially obviously tomorrow's game where Montreal will try to draw even in games with Philadelphia. Thank you for joining me, Patrick Bexel, uh, uh, today, Anton. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, please leave a comment, subscribe, whatnot, in order for you to get this podcast earlier than anyone else. Thank you.